millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Piki mai, kake mai, and welcome. From Radio New Zealand National, here's our changing world. Let's first take you to Vanuatu. On the 13th of March this year, Vanuatu was hit by Cyclone Pam. As winds of 250 kilometres per hour lashed the islands, around 75,000 people were left without a home. Cyclone Pam was the most intense tropical cyclone this year and one of the worst natural disasters in the history of Vanuatu. I visited the main island, Efate, last month, just four months after the cyclone, to see how people are doing. The night itself was very, very strange because this uh, cyclone was very, very tough, huh? not like Hurricane uh, uh, Huma. You still remember yeah, that? Uh-huh. I still remember Hurricane Huma. So we flew to this building here, and then Cyclone uh, Pam, we flew to the other building, this big building. And many people flew there. Yeah. So you left your own houses yeah. and fled into the concrete yeah. buildings, into yeah. the churches, into the schoolhouse? Yeah. And the roofs of the school were still yeah. taken off. So what, you would have been wet and cold and frightened. Oh, that night, uh, you know, people like uh, who cannot hold on, you know, crying at night. Like mothers and children, uh, yeah. Very, very bad at that night. How long did it last? Oh, whole night long, eh? Like um, somewhere around nine, uh, nine o'clock at night to uh, somewhere around uh, three in the morning. So, so nobody was sleeping during that night? Nobody uh... was sleeping that night. I reckon nearly 50% of the houses in town were damaged, uh, probably one quarter very severely. It was, it was really bad. I mean, Richard Ching, a Ni Vanuatu archaeologist at the Vanuatu Cultural Centre, comes from the archipelago's southernmost island, Anatium. And there's been a lot of talk about how should we rebuild. Uh, what people did was as soon as the cyclone was finished, put back the corrugated iron that was ripped off and that's it because due to lack of probably financial resources it was quite hard for people to find and most of the shops were not open for about a week one thing I, I, I realized after the hurricane is that we have to build better houses not necessarily strong they just have to be better one thing I noticed is that a lot of NGOs would go out and they'd have this cyclone proof kit you know uh, with cement and timber and yeah it's good if you have money or if they're giving it for free it's fine but the understanding in Vanuatu is that 80% of the people live in the islands and out of that more than half of them can't even afford it so when you start kind of preaching that kind of ideas oh it's, it's nice but it's, it's not applicable as a member of the cultural center I, I try to look for solutions from a sort of cultural perspective and see what our ancestors did in the past to be resilient with hurricanes. And I found out that we have documented accounts of traditional houses built in the traditional ways withstood the hurricanes. Um, there is a style of housing not practiced a lot in Vanuatu today um, where the roof touches the ground uh, and sort of anchors the, the beams of the roof into the ground and it creates a triangular sort of shaped house. Um, where I come from down south, we use that a lot, and every village, uh, nearly every family has got one. But what happens is during a hurricane, you leave your 
nice corrugated iron house or cement house, you lock it up and you go hide in your little traditional hut and you're, you're safe. The roof is made of uh, wild cane, so it's about 50 to 60, 70 centimeters thick. It acts as a very strong um, barrier or cover. Um, also, because the shape is in triangular and it's about, sometimes they make it to 2 meters, 2.5 meters high, which is quite low, and it's uh, in a shape that is very easy for the wind to blow over. And through the experience of Palm, a lot of these houses withstood the hurricane. And uh, because a lot of people were, uh, nowadays build houses with bamboo walls, you look like 1.5 meter, 2 meter high bamboo walls on the side. That kind of method of housing has been introduced uh, possibly by the traders or missionaries because it provided a lot of space inside the house. But it's, it's very not cyclone-proof. Um, but thinking about the future, are people concerned about Cyclone Pam being a sign of more things to come? Uh, people do. People do. And I think climate change has been doing a lot of awareness. Uh, and because most of the relief efforts were coming around from, from the National Disaster Management Office, which is under the meteorology, and so people are now probably more aware that there will be stronger cyclones to come, uh, not so much the quantity but the, the intensity and people are also aware that even if you have a nice corrugated iron house that doesn't make it strong because we've seen some of them around town where roofs just ripped off I don't have any problems with um, imported material but they're more dangerous than the local material some of the people who died during the hurricane died because of falling objects and corrugated iron from structures like European structures. So the idea of adapting to the future would really involve more traditional... Yeah, especially building. if you're in the islands. Maybe in Vila it might be different because you know people work, they can have, afford better building materials. But if you want to build with important materials, build it in the proper way because there will always be hurricanes. And in Vanuatu, like, the last big one we had was Cyclonuma in 1987. It's like nearly 30 years ago. People nearly. still remember that. Everybody I talk to remembers <laughs> that one. And I was a kid. Com compares it to Cyclone yeah, Pam. I was a kid. Uh, Cyclone Uma was nothing compared to Pam. I slept through Cyclone Uma. But Cyclone Pam was, if, if it was that bad and if there's still worse to come, you know, people be, should be more prepared. Yeah. In terms of food supplies, mm. I guess, again, tradition might be the way to go because mm. some of the root crops obviously survived. Only the tapioca, manioc. And bananas, you'll have to worry about. But if you cut off the leaves of, of the manioc and cut the banana just before the hurricane, then they won't blow over and they'll be okay. Otherwise, yams, taros, and most most crops sort of survive. You just have to remove the leaves so that the wind doesn't blow them and, and shakes them in the ground. It'll rot the root. Of course, a lot of gardens were destroyed, but a lot of gardens that have plants that have the edible part underground most of them are still okay because people are harvesting yam on Tana after the hurricane. And they're also like traditional ways of food preservation. If it's like, for example, during a, a hurricane, during a bread food season, there's lots of fruits on the ground, even there's lots of bananas on the ground. You could preserve that. In the northern part, there's some place where you can dry them. For us down south, we clean them, peel them, and remove everything and put them in water and in, in the, into the ground. And it can stay there, and it rots, and it stinks, and it's like cheese, but it lasts for years. And, and remains it, edible. <laughs> and remains edible, yeah. It, it smells a bit like some of the good cheese, you know, but it's edible. I eat it all the time when I go to the island. I really like it. My name is Margaret Averinke. I am uh, originally from the Netherlands. 
I arrived here on uh, Monday, 9 March, the Monday before the cyclone. I think the day I arrived, I heard people say, um, we may get a cyclone, but until probably Wednesday or Thursday, it wasn't really clear where it was actually going to hit, let alone um, what the intensity would be. So it was only uh, on Friday afternoon that it became apparent how serious it was going to be. Where so, were you at the time? Well, I was mainly on campus here at, at the university, University of the South Pacific. But of course, as the rain got heavier and the cyclone was about to hit, um, I went up to the lodge where I was staying. And during the cyclone it, itself, I was in a, in a garage with the family that runs this hostel, including a couple of children. And that's how we spent the night. Margareta Weverinke moved to Vanuatu to join the law faculty at the University of the South Pacific, where she teaches environmental law with a focus on climate change and equitable development. There is a correlation between natural disasters or unnatural disasters perhaps and, uh, and global warming. And we know that temperatures have gone up with about 0.85 degrees since industrialization. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that we're seeing more intense cyclones um, throughout the Pacific and elsewhere as well. This region is thought to be uh, particularly vulnerable. I'm afraid that indeed with more warming we'll have more intense cyclones and with more sea level rise the damage caused by cyclones will be more intense. And we already saw this um, in the more um, low-lying island nations, in Solomon Islands and Tuvalu and Kiribati, where cyclones are causing immense flooding to the extent that people are, are getting extremely worried about the habitability of, of their islands, not just because of sea level rise, but also because of the disasters. Not long after Margareta left the Netherlands, the Dutch people made legal history. In the world's first climate liability suit, they brought a claim against the Dutch government for failing to meet its obligation to protect citizens against dangerous climate change. As a result, the court ordered the state to reduce emissions by 25% within five years. She says this landmark ruling could cause ripples around the world. What I would like to see happen is that no legal action would be needed of course, climate change is a global problem that needs to be resolved in part through international agreement on um, what the regulatory framework is going to look like. And if all states of the world move together, then it's much easier. But unfortunately, that's not where we seem to be moving. If you look at the pledges that are being submitted right now by governments, then there's reason to be pessimistic and depressed. Implementing that agreement won't keep us below two degrees, let alone below a more ambitious target. And I'm even concerned that the agreement will actually bring us back, be less, let's say, ambitious and equitable than the climate change convention that we already have. Against that background, it, it may be desirable, if not necessary, for people and perhaps nations uh, to take legal action and to try to hold those who pollute or who have the power to regulate um, or influence polluters to account for failure to act, do what is necessary to solve these, this crisis. Richard Ching has one thing to say to the world as it prepares for the climate summit in Paris in December. Stop the pollution. A lot of rich countries consume a lot of resources and because of this imbalance in resource, it's affecting other places like for example, the sea level rise will affect all the small islands, even the tiny ones in Polynesia and Micronesia that had nothing to do with to cause it, 
will be affected. And like, that's what I would like the people to think about when they attend the Paris, that they think about others and stop the pollution. That was Richard Ching, an archaeologist at the Vanuatu Cultural Centre. And you also heard from environmental law lecturer Margareta Weverinke at the University of the South Pacific in Port Vila. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash Our Changing World. Kakite Ano. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.